Hi, this is Jeff Britton, and you're listening to the Beatles Yesterday and Today podcast. The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1974, Part 3. In this episode, we will cover May 23rd through June 29th. May 23rd, George Harrison launches his own record label and sets to fly to Paris to sign a worldwide distribution deal with A&M Records. His new label is to be called Dark Horse Records. A formal announcement is to follow in a couple of days. Before George leaves Friar Park, he puts together a tape of tracks for music business exec David Geffen to consider as the Dark Horse first artist issues. Hello, David. This is the tape that I made for you, and I'm making it very quickly because I'm in a rush trying to get packed to go away. Anyway, all of them are rough mixes. None of the, n- nothing on the tape should be considered finished other than whatever of Ravi's is there. That is, Krishna, where are you? I'm missing you. And um, the piece of music or pieces because I haven't yet decided you know, what to put on the tape from the ballet.
On May 25, 1974, it's announced that George Harrison had formed his own record label called Dark Horse and that he had signed a worldwide distribution deal in Paris with A&M Records. Former Capitol Record executive Al Corey, now president of RSO Records, discusses those early contract negotiations between Harrison and Capitol. The first time that I heard about Doc Cost Records was during a period when Baska Menon, who was the chairman of the board of Capitol Records, was vacationing in his uh, homeland, India. Uh, while he was vacationing there, he ran into George Harrison. Baskin had to call me from India, uh, specifically to tell me that he had met with George and there was a possibility of George Harrison starting his own label called Darkwas. And that we proceeded negotiating with George Harrison's attorneys at the time to possibly make this deal. Uh, but at the time, I think the, 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 the greatest stumbling block that we had, and I think one of the main reasons why Capitol Records never made a deal for Darkwas as a label was because George never wanted to commit himself to the label as a recording artist. Corey continues with how Harrison found a name for his new record label. He was fiddling around on his guitar and, and writing songs and, and or at least working on some songs that he was, you know, that he wanted to uh, finish and put together. And uh, his business manager at the time came in, this Dennis O'Brien, and he said, George, we have to have a name for this new publishing company. So George was working apparently on a song called Dark Horse or an idea he had for Dark Horse. And uh, uh, his accountant or his business manager at the time said, well, what is, that you, what is that you're playing? And he said, I'm playing this little idea I have, you know. And he said, uh, what's it called? He said, I think I'm going to call it Dark Horse. And uh, then Dennis O'Brien said, well, why don't we call the publishing company Dark Horse? The song was said to be a rebuttal to the poor reviews of his last LP, Living in the Material World.
and watch it. <laughs> that was a good one. Hello out there. This is George Harrison on behalf of Dark Horse Records. I'd just like to say, very nice to be here with you tonight on this film. I'd like to thank all of Warner Brothers and uh, WEA, all those weird salesmen, for the wonderful job you've been doing in the past 29 years. It's really very relaxed, rela relaxed, George. It's incredible. Anyway, it's nice working with you, and it's nice to know that the best sales force in the world is selling Dark Horse records. Don't drink too much, and I'll see you in Thanks a lot again. Keep up the good work. And in the meantime, I'm just going to write my new album, which goes like this. You can go your own way. Oh, no. That's not it. George drumming up seals for his very own record label, Dark Horse, though it seemed obvious enough to George that forming his own record company meant no chance of reforming the Beatles, the media people just had to ask. So George just had to give them a negative answer. No, no. George's first signing is Ravi Shankar.
Also on May 25th, Warner Brothers released the song Liverpool Lou by Scaffold. Scaffold is a group comprising of Mike McCartney, Paul's brother, Roger McGuff, and John Gorman. The song is traditional and was arranged by Paul and Linda McCartney. The single reaches number seven in the UK charts. Just know what they're saying They're saying you grieve me And that you deceive me Some morning you leave me All packed up and gone Oh, Liverpool, lovely Liverpool Why don't you behave just like other girls do? Why must my poor heart keep following you? Stay home and love me, my Liverpool With Liverpool Lou entering the charts in the UK, on the same day, Pie Bradley Records released the single Zoo Gang by Jungle Juice. The song is written by Paul and Linda McCartney for the British TV drama of the same name based on the novel by Paul Gallico. The show starred Brian Keith and John Mills.
On June 4th in America, the wing single Band on the Run is awarded a gold record by the Record Industry Association of America. The single reaches number one on June 8th. Back in New York, with the Pussycat sessions finally over and the Oldies project in limbo, Lennon had been composing several demos of songs that he considered for a new LP.
compiled enough songs to plan a new album, so on June 14th at the record plant in New York, Lennon held a brief meeting to discuss musicians for his new album project. During this planning session, Al Corey, Capitol Records head of promotions in California, informs John he's retrieved Phil Spector's Oldies But Goldies album tapes. Phil works in such mysterious ways. Capital having handed over $90,000 to Spectre. The day before I go in to record, I, I get the tapes back. We finally made a deal. It, was, it had to do with deals, as usual. I get the Phil Spectre tapes back. There's about eight tracks. Half of them you couldn't use, you know, for one reason or another. With the musicians selected and the record plant studio booked to record Lennon's new material in two days, the Oldies Project is now on temporary hold. Lennon had one more project to let go of. Nielsen's Pussycats album. John arranged to drop off the tapes to Nielsen's label RCA in New York. With these two projects cleared from his mind, John was free to create something new. Meanwhile, back in England, with McCartney's LP banned on the run at number one in America, Norway, Sweden, and Australia, Paul got the urge to reassemble his group Wings and record a new album. The first step was to fill the opening for a lead guitarist. The McCartneys and Lane auditioned inside the country and out for their new guitarist. Following the split of the group Stone the Crows, the guitarist Jimmy McCulloch joins Wings on June 15th. The 21-year-old veteran of Thunderclap Newman and Stone the Crows. Jimmy first played with Paul and the group back in Paris in 1972 on the sessions that produced the first version of Linda's Seaside Woman. Paul is reacquainted with him when he asks him to play on the McGear album, which Paul produced for his brother. With Jimmy McCulloch now on lead guitar and Jeff Britton now on drums, Wings was again a full working band ready to march on. Norton is a mummy's boy. Norton's very clever. Norton's very good at sport in the nicer weather. Norton is 
a pretty boy. Norton is a sissy. Norton's got a lovely girl. Now isn't that a pity? Daddy's boy, Norton joined the army. He thought they'd make a man of him. He must be bloody barmy. Jolly good, Norton. Recommend a commission, Sergeant. Norton's still a pansy boy. Norton's still a pet. And if he gave me half the chance, I'd wring his bleeding neck. On Monday, June 17th, at the record plant in New York City, John starts the recording sessions for Walls and Bridges. Joining John at the session is Jesse Ed Davis, Ken Asher, Nikki Hopkins, Eddie Matau, and Arthur Jenkins. Let us listen to a song they worked on during the session. It's called Surprise, Surprise, Sweet Bird of Paradox. According to May Pang, Lennon wrote this as a love song to her. One, two,
May Pang helped coordinate the sessions. That was the quickest album, fastest album ever made by him. I think it took uh, in total maybe eight weeks, or not even, not even, because he spent, I think, a week recording it, a week of overdubs, and I think a couple of weeks in mixing. That's right, it was less than eight weeks. It was eight weeks till it was almost time for its first single release. Because we did in the middle of June and it was already out by September. And John does not like to dilly-dally about it. And he just likes going in and let's go in and do it. Another song they recorded that evening was this instrumental number.
While John was recording in New York, Paul, Linda, their family, and Wings depart London's Heathrow Airport en route to Nashville, Tennessee. lineup, Paul on bass, Linda on keyboards, Denny Lane on rhythm guitar, Jimmy McCulloch on lead guitar, and Jeff Britton on drums, spend the next several weeks on a 133-acre ranch, the home of country singer-songwriter Curly Putnam. Curly wrote many Grammy award-winning classic country songs, such as 
Dumblonde, D-I-V-O-R-C-E, My Elusive Dreams, and The Green Green Grass of Home. Reformed Wings adapted well to the Tennessee lifestyle, partly due to the friendship Paul had with record producer Buddy Killen. Down along the Rio Grande, where the bank is white with sand, there's a town of war as Mexico. It's where I met the lady, I call my border baby, I loved her and then I had to go. Buddy worked with other artists such as Dolly Parton, Roger Miller, Dottie West, Joe Tex, and others. He was also the owner of Tree International Publishing, which was the largest country music publishing business. Buddy was also part owner of Sound Shop Studios, which was located at 1307 Division Street in Nashville, in the music district. When Paul and the band arrived in Nashville, it was Buddy who found the place where wings can stretch out and get a good taste of the Tennessee life which was offered at Curly Putnam's farm. The farm is located in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is 31 miles west on I-40 to Nashville. The farm was purchased by Claude Curley Putnam Jr. and was purchased with the royalties Curley received from his song The Green Green Grass of Home. The McCartneys rented the farm at a rate of $2,000 per week. Kellen also took the opportunity to invite McCartney to see Sound Shop Studios, resulting in the decision to record there. So for the next several weeks, the Wings Nashville sessions began. Just a game So I'll be here to help 
On June 18th, while in Nashville, Paul celebrates his 31st birthday. Linda gets Paul an amazing gift for her bass-playing husband. The original Elvis Presley bass. It was a, a birthday present Linda got for me. We were in Nashville, and we knew this guy who knew Bill's mm -hmm. family, and Bill had passed away by then, and his bass was kind of rotten away in a barn. The Elvis bass with the little white trim, and the, you got the real one. And she gave it to me for a birthday present. Well, since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. It's down at the end of Lonely Street. It's a break hotel. It's a lonely baby. It's a lonely. It's a lonely. So lonely. You could die. Well, if you baby leave you, you've got a tale to tell. Just take a walk down Lonely Street to Heartbreak Hotel. It's a lonely baby. You'd be so lonely, you'd be so lonely, you could die. So that for me is a very special piece of wood. Yeah, that's the Elvis Presley bass. Meanwhile, back in New York on June 28th, John's Walls and Bridges sessions continue. Eight. My, my wall collapsed. There it goes. Wait a minute, let's just have Jimmy put that up, all right? Well, it's up to you. Okay. Eight. <laughs> okay, are you ready, Klaus? You old boogie, you. Okay. All right. Well, okay, let me net tune in, will you? One, two. There you stand with your LA tan and your New York wall and your New You're gonna wish you wasn't born
your mouth be squawked As you spread your life you can't pull string When your hands are tied Your teeth are clean But your mind is cat You leave your smell Same as the last one. Better. better. Oh my God, it's better, is it? After many studio hours, John right. took a break from his sessions and changed direction to help an old friend, as May Pang explains. During the Walls and Bridges, we ended up doing uh, a demo for Ringo, which was called Goodnight Vienna, which is a song that John had written and wanted to give to Ringo to do. She was so beautiful, it made me uptight. Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus. Let me try another. Can you hear what he's saying? Okay. It's all that, 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 that. 
Also on June 28th, in the UK, Apple releases the single Band on the Run, but it is backed by the song Zoo Gang by Wings. Zoo Gang was a song that was a leftover track that Paul and the original Wings lineup recorded at Abbey Road Studios back on April 25th, 1973. Bouncing back to Nashville at the end of June, Paul and Wings continued to lay down tracks at the Sound Shop Studios. I was in Paris, waiting for a flight, when this guy came up to me and said, Have you got a life? Well, I was
waiting for a flight when this guy came up to me and said, We got life. And you know what happened? The band then worked on a new rocker by Paul, who titled the track after Curly Putnam Jr.'s farm where they were staying. Right. Junior's farm, take 16. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Just to make a time 
Let's go, let's go. Let's go, Dandy Junior's farm. We're all Have you been listening to Sun Dawn? You heard the other one, that's a great record, John Dunn, the mini Yeah, so that's better. Yeah. So I think the next time we're putting out an album with my tracks and everything. Okay, so it's not like that. No, it's not like that. It's just medium hard tonight. Medium, yeah. Yeah, mate. That is something that I'll do. You've got an artistic bit of a little 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 bit of Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye, y'all. Yeah. Okay. okay. I guess we did so much. Good night, Alan. Good night. Good night. Good night. I'm going to talk to you later.
I'd see her looking fast in her faded jeans She's a hard-loving woman, got me feeling mean Sometimes I think it's a shame When I get feeling better when I'm feeling no pain Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping round my back stairs Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping round my back stairs Sometimes I think it's a sin When I feel like I'm winning When I'm losing again up in a moment. More Wings Tennessee adventures. Sally recalls a few stories held beside the Putnam's Lake, including a barbecue dinner. She goes on to say that Paul always liked his barbecue chard. Oh, you rocky John gets inspired by TV. Just be watching everything. And at one point, he sees Reverend Ike. And he's out there screaming, you know. And, and he loved watching and hearing him. And, and apparently, he just turned around and he says, listen to this guy, listen to this guy. And he, and he goes, it's whatever gets you through the night, man. You know, you got to do it. And John says, oh, that's a good line. And George Harrison and Eric Clapton turned their whole world upside down. At a party one night. Clapton confronted George Harrison and told him he was in love with Patty. Harrison responded flippantly that Eric could have his wife if he could have Eric's girlfriend. Next on Yesterday on Today. information or to contact the show visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com also visit at yesterdaypod on twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on facebook see you next time I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts, Yesterday and Today, and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast or facebook.com slash third men. Or you could head to society Six dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, 
dot com slash k-a-m-i-n-s-k-i family podcasts yeah keep our lights on i'm in the dark dad any words of wisdom hello the lights just went out (laughs) (laughs) guys we need your help buy stuff perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows and if you haven't got yours please send forth in and get a free one all right (laughs) thank you dad all right we'll see you on the podcast folks bye it's audio you can't see me 